Welcome to Come Follow Me On The Go. My name is Kylie, and this podcast is designed for families and children that are in the car and on the go. Each podcast episode, I will be sharing stories and scriptures from the Come Follow Me lesson plans. In addition, discussion questions are provided so families can pause the podcast to discuss and grow closer to Christ and closer together as a family while you are in the car and on the go. Okay, welcome back, you guys. This week, we are moving into James, which is so excited. We have a new author that we get to learn from. Just a fun fact, if you don't already know it, James is actually a half-brother to our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is Mary and Joseph's son. So we are going to start in chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And these verses reminded me of the show Great American Ninja Warrior, if you've ever seen it. There are these giant obstacle courses that these really strong and fit men and women try to get through. So it's like they're climbing ropes, they're jumping really far, they're doing like monkey bars, just all these really physically demanding challenges. And if they fail, they they like don't give up. They'll come back again and try again or they'll go home and they'll work out and build up their strength so that they can come back. And try again. And these verses reminded me of it because James is teaching us that we should consider all of our challenges to actually be a gift from Heavenly Father because they expand our faith. So, just like every time these warriors will do the course and the challenges within it, they are building strength and endurance, similar to how anytime we have an emotional, physical, mental challenge in our life we can use that as an opportunity to build our faith strength. So my question to you guys is just, have you had a recent gift in your life of a challenge for you to grow and develop your strength and faith in Christ? Okay, we are going to move into chapter, well, still chapter one, but verses five through eight. And James is teaching us about prayer. And I want you guys to kind of picture that you are in a wave pool. If you've ever been in a wave pool and you're just sitting in an inner tube, the waves will just kind of toss you to the right and to the left. You'll go up a swell and you'll drop down into the swells or to the top of the crest and then back down. And you just are kind of bopping all over the place, every direction. And James teaches us that if we pray with like 100% commitment and trust, and we like intend to act on what we receive, we will always get the answer we're looking for. But on the flip side, if we like try to keep our options open, we're not really sure that we trust Heavenly Father or that he's really given us an answer. He said, you'll be tossed about like you're on a wave in the sea. So what do you guys think that would look like in our lives? If we aren't trusting the answers we're getting in a prayer or Heavenly Father, and we're just kind of being tossed about, what like, what do you think that would look like or feel like? Okay, we're going to move into chapter two. And where I live, I'm in Idaho. It sure feels like winter is rapidly approaching. At least 
I am wishing I had put my gloves on a lot of the time when I go outside because my fingers are getting cold. And in this chapter, James teaches us faith and work go together like a hand and a glove. He actually uses the story of Rahab as an example. So if you don't know this story, I'll kind of give you a little recap. So before the Israelites were crossing the Jordan River, um, Joshua sent men into Jericho to scout the land in the area. And when they arrived, they decided, decided to spend the night at Rahab's house. And when the Jericho rulers found out, they tried to apprehend them and Rahab decided to hide them and then she helped them escape out the window which saved their lives and Rahab was showing she did the work of faith by helping the men escape and she was holding out faith that they would protect her house in the future so he goes on to explain that faith expresses itself through our work just like our emotions like if you're happy or sad or fearful People can't always tell unless you're expressing it through your facial expressions or maybe through your words or your body language. That is something that only you feel and you have to express it in some way for other people to know. Similar to faith. We have to have works to go with our faith. So we know that faith is hoping for things that are unseen. So what is works? How would you describe what the works are that go with faith. Okay, my son recently got a set of flint and steel and we decided we were going to go in the middle of the day, roast hot dog by the river and we got out there and our lighter wouldn't start but he had his flint and steel so we we're like, okay, well let's try that and we were shooting sparks off and our fire did not get but it was still so fun to like play with the flint and steel and see all these sparks flying flying everywhere and trying to catch the kindling that we had brought on fire and then when I was studying chapter three I was like oh man we just like kind of did this only it didn't work but we were playing with sparks and fire anyways so in chapter three verse five it talks about how a spark can set off an entire forest fire, right? It can burn down a whole fire and or a whole forest with just the tiniest spark. And James compares this to our words and how they can accomplish nearly anything or they can destroy it, right? So we could have accomplished when we were at the river like a nice warm fire to roast our hot dogs and we could have stayed there for a couple hours instead of being cold and going home because we were hungry and couldn't start our fire. That's what it could have accomplished, right? Or on the flip side, that spark could have burnt down the whole forest around us. It could have been very destructive and bad. So he says our tongue is like the smallest part of our body. It's not really right, but it's a really small member of our body, but it can do so much. He says, well, he discusses how we we can't have a tongue that is nice one day, that it talks really nice and builds people up and doesn't gossip one day. But then on the next day, we're super mean, calling people names, gossiping and talking bad about people behind their backs. He says it cannot be both ways. You have to be consistent. 
And he gives various examples of this. But my favorite example that was given was of a fresh spring. We could think of that like a mountain stream, right? So on Monday, that mountain stream is flowing and it's giving clean, nutritious water that you can drink and it is healthy for your body. And then he says on the next day, so now it's Tuesday, we go to the same stream and we get brackish water, which brackish water means that there's more salt in it than fresh water. And it it can make the drinker very, very sick. My question is, what do you think James is trying to teach us about our bodies and our minds and our relationships and health and how it can be impacted if we don't control our tongue and we are not consistent in the manner in which we use it for good. Okay, still in chapter three, I love this little section. It was just 17 and 18. And what I pulled out of it was that we are instructed to do the hard work of getting along with people. I thought it was interesting that he said, do the hard work, because I feel like most of the time for the majority of us probably doesn't feel that hard to get along with most people. But there's always going to be those few people that are hard to get along with. And he says, do the hard work, figure it out. How can you be their friend and be pleasant to them and get along with them? So my little question for you guys is just, is there someone you don't get along with? And do you have any hard work, efforts, or ideas that you could do this week to try to improve your ability to get along with them? Okay, we're going to move into chapter four. In chapter four, we are instructed to humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. And if we go to other translations, how they write it is to get down on your knee before your master. It's the only way that you'll get back on your feet. And I just love the simple imagery of that. I can remember recently discussing with someone how sometimes we're taught you can only pray standing or kneeling. Like th- those are your only two options. And I was like, eh, I pray while I drive. I play, pray while I walk. Like I journal my prayers. There's a lot of different ways that I pray to my Heavenly Father. But I did agree with them that I felt like when we do take the time to kneel, we are showing just how much we love our Heavenly Father. And we know that we rely on Him for like our daily breath to be alive, for him to help us in our times of need. Like that is the ultimate example of how humble we can be. And when we humble ourselves is when he can rescue us or answer our prayers or whatever it is we're seeking from him. Oh, my little question for you to just like introspectively think about, you don't have to share it with your parents or with anyone, but just when was the last time you actually kneeled down to say your prayers. Okay, I just wanted to leave with you guys the little encouragement that was in James. And the encouragement that I pulled out of it was 
to love your life as an expression of your faith. So wake up happy and pumped to be alive and to love your life because you love Heavenly Father and he granted you this life. All right, that's all that I have for you guys. I will share my little insights next week. All right, that is all that I have for this week. Thank you for joining me. I hope that your families were able to grow closer together and closer to Christ while you were in the car and on the go. 